remember when you were a young kid, I don't know if you can remember the first time you ever had your eyes checked, right? You went to the doctor, or maybe back in those days, I think we had tests in school. We had vision tests, we had ear tests, we had scoliosis checkups and checks for hair lice as well. So, I mean, it was a full gamut of tests going on and a very, very important test, I might add. Amen. But you can remember getting your eyes checked. And when you got your eyes checked, they would give you this number that, that kind of told you what type of vision that you had. Did you have 20-20 vision or maybe it was 20-30 or 20-40 or 20-50, I, I don't know. But whatever it is, you got your eye exam. And you go, you would go in, you would look at this chart that they would put before you and they'd have you cover one eye and cover this eye and they wanted to know how the vision was in both of your eyes. Um, and so you had to do this. You had to take this exam. Now, this is an exam that you didn't want to, to flunk. You didn't want to, you wanted to look at the, the, the chart and you wanted to call out those letters correctly. Amen. And so as you would look at them, sometimes you'd say, well, is it an O? Is it a C? Is it, is it a P? Is it an R? Is it, you know, there's some of these letters that, and I think they strategically pick some of those letters you know, to confuse you and to kind of may, may, make you stumble up. I remember Brian Regan, the comedian, he, he joked about the eye exam and he has this joke where he talks about this guy who walks out of the doctor's office and the, and the, the glass, the eyeglasses place and he walks out of there with these thick, thick Coke bottle glasses and he exclaims, I didn't take it serious. I didn't, <laughs> it's a, an eye exam, right? <laughs> so you, you, now you got to wear these. So anyways, your vision is very, very important. And, and, and if your vision uh, becomes impaired or altered, then you do need corrective help. You need corrective lenses. And there are surgeries that um, some people need uh, to help with their vision. Now, in our text tonight, Jesus talks about the vision of every person. He, and, he, and he talks specifically about our eyes. He talks about our eyes. He talks about your vision and how your vision in life affects your life very profoundly. The way that you see things in your life, the way that you look at things has a huge impact on your life. The question is this, is your life Full, is your vision full of light or has your vision been altered? Has your vision been darkened? Jesus addresses the reality of having impaired vision spiritually and in your life generally. Your vision, the way you see things, the way you look at things, greatly, greatly affects your life. In fact, it is probably the single most, uh, it's the single factor in terms of how you go about your life and how you think about your life on a day-to-day -day basis. And so the question is, do you have good vision? 
Do you have good vision? Or is your, has your vision been impaired? So let's look at this text. If you're taking notes tonight, the first point is this. Your vision guides your steps. Let's look at Matthew chapter 6, verse 22. It says this, The lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? And then let's read 24 as well. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Your vision guides your steps. Jesus says here, the lamp of the body is the eye. The, the lamp of your life is your vision, your eye. And the question is, is your lamp giving light or has it been darkened? Has it been darkened? A lamp is, is that which gives light, right? You, you walk into a room, you turn the lamp on so that you can see where you're going, so that you can see where you're walking. And he says, the lamp of your life is your eye, is your vision. This is what Jesus is talking about when he's talking about our eye and how we see. And so the question is, how do you see things? And you can see things with the light of God in your life. You can see things that, that are informed by the light of God's word. And God is a light. His word is a light. And the question is, do you see things that in a way that have been impacted by the light of God and the light of his word? Or has your eye been darkened? Has your vision been darkened? Do you look at things in a different way? Uh, and so these are the questions. How is it that you see the world, your life, your circumstances, even your possessions, your body, every single thing? I can go through every single thing that you think about on a day-to-day -day basis. This is affected by your eye, not your physical eye, but how you see things and how it is, what it is that is informing you in your mind and in your heart, in the center of who you are. How you see things is your vision. Your vision is either full of light or it has been darkened. Jesus says here, if your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. Wow, this, this is a powerful, powerful truth. And this is probably something that we should, you know, teach kids and teach uh, teenagers and, and young people from an early age and not just once and hey, let's, uh, this is so powerful, a message that Jesus is bringing here in Matthew 6 because this really affects your entire life, every single day, every minute. Your vision is determined with this idea of whether your eye is full of light or it has been darkened. So the question then for us tonight to look at 
our own lives is how is our vision? How is your vision? How, how is it that you've been seeing things? How do you see things? And how is it that you've been seeing things? And let me submit to you tonight that you can actually have a good eye, but you can allow it to be darkened by the things around you. And by that, I mean you're allowing the things, other things besides God and his word and his perspective and the light that he wants you to have in your light and in, in your life and in your thinking, you can allow your vision to be affected by circumstances, by things happening in the world, by moral choices that you've made that begin to darken the light that is in your life. Do you, how, so how is your vision tonight? How are you seeing things? And is your vision, the way that you're looking at things, is it bringing light into your life? Is it bringing life is it bringing the things of God? Is it bringing joy? Is it bringing love? Is it bringing peace into your life? Are the things flowing out of your life as a result of how you see things and motivations uh, such as kindness and, and gentleness in terms of how we act towards other people? This is a very kind of telltale thing that we can look at. Now, in this series of teachings, this is right in the middle of what's called the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus started this teaching talking about the kingdom of heaven and how to be a part of the kingdom of heaven. And this whole teaching is about being a part of that kingdom. And I think that people who are part of the kingdom, people who are of the kingdom, have a certain vision. And, and, um, and, and that's, the, that's what I wanna call it kingdom vision, amen? Kingdom vision. 2020 vision is kingdom vision. It's having the light. It's having a good eye. It's having light in your life and in your eye. What is this kingdom vision? Kingdom vision is filled with light. It, it has as its priority the things of the kingdom of heaven. When you look at things in your life, do you look at things only from your perspective? Do you look at it only with how it's going to affect you and your day and, 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 and your immediate situation? Or have you taken upon yourself a kingdom vision? Have you taken upon yourself the eye that, that the Lord, the vision that the Lord wants you to have? And I believe that that's kingdom vision. Kingdom vision has as its priority the things of the kingdom, the kingdom of heaven. It is a vision of love, amen, that you see that you, and when I say love, first and foremost, it is the agape, amen? Now we know from the Greek there are four different Greek words for love, and, and, um, and, and all of those are important, amen? All those are important. But we need to first and foremost make sure that we have an eye, we have, the, we have love in our vision, amen? That when we look at people, that we have, because that's, that's, the, that's the type of vision God has. God has love in his eyes, amen? He has a vision of love. He, he looks at people and he has agape. He, 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 for God so 
love the world. I mean, he, he, that's how he sees the world. Kingdom vision is vision of love. It's vision of grace. Amen? It's, as, as people of the kingdom, we're people of grace. We're people who understand that we have, have stood before God and, and before his laws and his commands, and, and that law has declared us guilty. And if you've come to Christ and you've been forgiven, you've been given the gift of God's grace. And if you've been given the, the gift of God's grace, then you need to be a person of grace. You need to have vision of grace. We need to be people who are full of grace. Jesus is full of grace. That's what it says in the first chapter of the Gospel of John. He says, and we beheld, John says, we beheld him. And he was full of grace and truth. Jesus is full of grace. And the question is, do we have a vision of grace? Do, do, is, our, is our first viewpoint on, on the way that we're looking at a situation, how we can look at it through the eyes of the grace of God? and how we might be an instrument of God's grace in that situation. I tell you what, this kingdom vision is something that would revolutionize a person's life, and it will revolutionize a marriage, and it will revolutionize a family, and it will revolutionize a church, amen? I believe it'll revolutionize a nation, amen? If we're looking at it with kingdom vision, and we've got kingdom vision, we've got a vision of love, in our eyes. We've got a vision of grace. We've got a vision of mercy. Amen? A vision of mercy. And let me add, a vision of justice. A vision of justice. There is justice. There is justice. Amen? And and we need to be people of justice because God is a God of justice. And thank God that God is you know, God is going to, he's a God of justice. He satisfied the justice, his justice. There's a, there's a point, and Ravi Zacharias drives this point home. There's a point in, in history where, where love and justice and all these things converged, and it was at the cross of Calvary. And, and it's an incredible, incredible thing, and that's why the kingdom vision is, is, is a vision of the cross as well. Kingdom vision is a vision of the cross because we have in mind that there's a place where love and grace and mercy and, and, and justice collided. And, and so we need to be people of a vision of justice. We need, kingdom vision is a vision of building up others. In the Bible, in the way the Bible would say it, edification, right? So when you're reading your Bible and it says, edification, do this for the edification of the brothers, right? Do this for the edification of those around. What is it saying? It's saying do this to build up others. Do this, do whatever it is to build others up, right? And so in, in, and in one place it actually says don't do it unless it's edifying, amen? Man, we could save ourselves a lot of, oh my goodness, we could save ourselves a lot of, uh, of strain and stress and, 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 and stuff going on in our relationships if we would stop and ask ourselves, what I'm about to do, is it edifying to those around me? <laughs> right? Yeah. 
In other words, what I'm about to say, what I'm about to do, is it, is it going to build up others? Is it going to build others up? Or is it meant to tear them down? Is it meant to belittle them? Is it meant, them to, is it meant to make them feel less than? Is it to build me up and to put them down? See, kingdom vision is a vision of edification. It's a vision of building others up. Let me say that all together in one sentence because I think it'd be worth it, amen? <laughs> kingdom vision is love, grace, mercy, and justice. It's a vision of building up those around us. Amen? Amen? And this is what God wants us to have in our life. This is the light, uh, this is the good eye that God wants us to have. Now, darkened vision can be contrasted to that, right? A darkened vision could be, uh, you know, we, we could contrast everything I just said, and you'd have a darkened vision right? You'd have a dark eye. You'd have a bad eye. Darkened vision is selfish. Darkened vision is stingy. Darkened vision is territorial. No, don't sit in my seat. That's my seat. <laughs> right, right? I'm not even talking about at church. I'm talking about in the living room. <laughs> right? Right? Now, 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 don't, don't get me wrong. Now, I've got my chair. I've got my chair at home, and everybody knows what chair is my chair. It's the big chair, right? The big chair that's got the ottoman, and it's got the table beside it, and it's got a place where I can plug my phone in. It's got a coaster for my drink. I mean, we've got this dialed in. I mean, this is 2020. This ain't, this ain't 1989 or 1999. I mean, this is 2020. We've got these things dialed in, don't we? We've got our remotes, everything. Darkened vision is territorial, stingy, and it's selfish. And so that's why Jesus goes on and he talks about having a good eye or a bad eye. Let's go back, let's go back to the text there in verse 23. He said, well, let's, read, let's pick it up in 22. The lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? So he, he contrasts a good eye and a bad eye. He says, if your eye is good, then you've got light. If your eye is good, the whole body's good. If your eye is good, you're gonna, man, you're gonna be good. And your life is gonna be good. That's why this is so important in our lives as believers. And we see people that have a bad eye and we wish we could change it. <laughs> but what I've learned is you can't change it. You can't change somebody's bad eye. They've got to submit that to the Lord Jesus. They've got to submit to God and have God 
uh, improve their vision. Amen? The word good here, for, when he's talking about a good eye, the word good means simple, single, whole, good, fulfilling its office, sound of the eye. Now you say, what do you, what do you mean, simple and single? The idea, there's, in, in a lot of words that the, that the biblical writers uh, use, not only in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, one of the themes that kind of, I, 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 I've been doing this for a while now, and I've, I've, I've done many, 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 many a word study, and I don't know how many times I've come up with this idea where God is saying something, and it, it ends up on this idea of, of simple and singular. And it's the idea of, of, of character. It's the idea of unity. It's the idea of integrity, of having an integrity in your vision. And, and you see, you, we, I think what happens is we allow our vision to go bad spiritually. A person allows their vision to go bad. And they say, no, I entertain that and I allow it to go bad and I, and I, and I stretch it out a little bit more here and a little bit more here. And before you know it, you stretched it all the way out and, and that's where you have a bad eye. And maybe you're taught those things. Maybe you're led into those things by other people. Maybe you're led astray. People are even led astray by their parents. People are led astray by friends. People are led, led astray by uh, friends and things that, and, 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 and all this. And growing up, and not even that, after they've grown up, things can happen. So God wants us to have a good eye, a simple, singular, whole, fulfilling the purpose that it has for us, sound, right? And, uh, and that's, what, that's what God wants to do in our lives. He wants us to have a good eye. You have to have single vision, single vision. Double vision, I don't think, is ever good, right? <laughs> when you're like, how many... How many fingers am I holding up? You know, how many fingers am I? You know, eight. <laughs> you know, that, that can't be good. I don't know a scenario where it's good. I don't know, maybe in some Marvel movie or something, maybe there's an episode of a thing where, you know, double vision turned out to save the world or the, you know, the universe from the terrorists coming in from the quantum vacuum. Okay? But double vision is never good. Uh, a, a, a divided loyalty is never good. Single vision. Amen? Amen. Um, now, Jesus talks about the bad eye. He says, if you have a bad eye. The, the bad eye, the word for bad here is the Greek word that means full of labors, annoyances, hardships, pressed, and harassed by labors, bringing toils, annoyances, perils of a time full of peril, causing pain and trouble. Um, so it's something really that brings toil upon yourself. It brings hardship. It brings 
Not good, but bad. Now, people would say, now, people, people, the, the term really wasn't like you got a bad eye. The term really, and even in the literature, was you have an evil eye. An evil eye. Now, there's an evil eye like, oh, he gave me like, he gave me an evil look or he gave me like a stink eye or something like that, right? <laughs> you know? But we're not really talking about that. We're not talking about like, you know, a direct physical, like, you know, he gave me some kind of look. But an evil eye was a phrase in use among the ancient Jews to denote an envious, covetous man or disposition, a covetous disposition. A man that looked and coveted what his neighbor had. Uh, a, a, a man that was fixated on uh, the material. This was an evil eye. And so Jesus says, if you have a bad eye, then you know, then you then then there's darkness. There's darkness in you. And he says, if you if you've got darkness, how great is the darkness? How great is the darkness? And like I said, I think there's a progression where that darkness kind of just begins to, and, and if you don't keep that, that vision in check and you don't go to the Lord and have that, that, that vision checkup, so to speak, and, 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 and have your, your vision healed in that sense and informed by the light of God and the light of his word, then you're gonna end up with a greater and greater darkness to the point where you have people out here with an evil eye. Now, we all have, at moments, there's that thing that creeps in. Where we're not full of, our vision isn't full of love, it isn't full of grace, it isn't full of generosity and, and, and giving, but it's, it might be stingy, it might be darkened in some way. We, we recognize that. We recognize that, and God wants to do a work, Amen. Now, if you're here and you look at your eye, you look at yourself and you examine your vision and you have to admit to yourself that your vision has darkened a bit. The way that you see things, the way that you look at it, it's, you're not full of hope, you're not full of light, you're not full and informed by the light of God and the light of his word. The only answer is to allow God to change your heart and your mind and your vision right now, to, to, to tonight, to make it a night that you allow God to do a surgery on your vision, to do a surgery on your eyes, amen? Now in John chapter nine, in John's gospel, Jesus came to a man on that partic- in that particular time, um, and the, Bible, the text says a man who was born blind. Now, when you look at the miracles of Christ, when you look at the miracles of Jesus, most of them are, they're physical miracles, right? You have water changing into wine, and it was good wine. You have all kinds of stuff happening. You have these miracles. You have withered hands being healed. You have um, sicknesses being, you know, leprosy, all kinds of things. Physical, physical things happening. But someone said something a while ago, I was actually reading it in a book, and it was actually um, an author, one of my favorite authors, and he said, the miracles of Jesus are not 
just arbitrary miracles. But they're miracles that the biblical authors present to us to present a spiritual uh, need that God was wanting the people to identify and to see in their life. Even the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000 made no difference in what I'm saying to you. When I looked at that, when I read that statement, I actually went in and I kind of did a kind of a sweep of my own biblical knowledge. And through even hours of study, and I went through even in, in when I was writing my book, I kind of went through a lot of the, the miracles and things. And I came to the conclusion that it was correct, that the miracles that we have presented in the word, in the gospels, are not arbitrary miracles, but they're also pointing to a spiritual need and a spiritual miracle that God is wanting to work in a person's life. So when you come to John chapter 9 and the man born blind, it is also speaking of a spiritual blindness that people are walking in. Yes, this man was born physically blind, but Jesus wanted people to see that there was a, there was, there's a spiritual blindness that God wants you to be healed from. And so um, the disciples asked Jesus why he was blind. Why is he born blind? Was it his sin or was it his parents' sin? Because we're always wanting to connect physical infirmities to someone's sin and we also want to connect their lack of healing to either sin in their life or a lack of faith. And I want to submit to you that these things are not always so. They're not always so. This man was born blind, and Jesus said it wasn't his sin that he was born blind or his parents' sin. So you think that that would be enough to dispel that theology, right? Just read John chapter nine, and I think you could dispel that theology, amen? amen. But no, it still is perpetrated out there and makes people feel terrible, right? But even the best of the word of faith preachers get sick and die, <laughs> right? So we know that God is wanting to teach us something, amen? So he said, it's, Jesus said it's neither. Look at what John, which says in John chapter nine, verse three, and I'll throw it on the screen behind me. Jesus answered and said, neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. No, this is happening so that God's work can be seen in him. And we sang about it in the song tonight, right? He's working, and even when I don't see it, he's working, and even when I don't feel it, he's working. And this has happened because, so that the works of God should be revealed in him. And, and so God wants to do a work in you. And so when you look and take inventory of your vision, and I don't know what message it was, but I remember, we were, I think it was in our, Rev, our Roman series, and I said, just because you can say, well, this is who I am, and this is the way I've always been, that's not an excuse for the believer. That's not an excuse for the Christian. Well, I've always been born blind. 
This is just me. No. Jesus, doesn't, Jesus is not going to leave the man born blind in the blind condition. He's going to heal the guy. And so God, so Jesus healed that guy. Jesus healed him. And it's an incredible, incredible, incredible story. Can you imagine being healed of having been born blind and having, having like never seen? What an incredible thing. And God wants to do a miracle in our vision. God wants to do a miracle in our vision. We may have been born blind and we were blind spiritually, but the testimony of the believer is I was blind, but now I see, right? I was blind. I was blind. I did have an evil eye. I did have a darkened eye. I did have darkness in my temple and, 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 the, and the lamp of my, of my life was darkened. But Jesus came into my life and he healed me and he healed my vision and he gave sight to these, these eyes and now I see and I see Jesus and I see how he wants me to see, amen? And the life of living for Christ is learning how to continue to walk in the kingdom vision that God has given us, amen? And having kingdom vision, man, I'm convinced I wish, I wish we could pass out glasses, you know, like they pass out glasses when you go to a 3D movie. Oh, welcome to the kingdom. Here's your, here's your kingdom, your 3D kingdom goggles, you know? You know, better than Oakley's, right? Right? Yeah. Because it's so important. I mean, there's really nothing else that affects our day-to-day -day life more than this. I mean, can you think of anything? Can you think of anything more profound in terms of how it affects our lives than our vision and how we see things and how we perceive things and how we look at things and how we look at circumstances and situations? Man, there, man I'm convicted up here, amen? Because moment to moment, we have a choice to make of how we're going to see. If we're gonna look at things with Go, go, gonna kind of fade back into a darkened vision, or we're gonna have that kingdom vision. Amen? And uh, I wanna encourage you. I wanna encourage you. I, I plan to spend a little bit more time on this last verse, but I'm just gonna suffice it to say this. Your vision determines your master. Your vision determines your master. Look at verse 24. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. And so your vision, your vision determines your master. Has your vision been healed? Do you have a good eye? Do you have light? in that eye, in the way that you see things? Have you taken upon yourself kingdom vision? then if you have kingdom vision, then you have a king, amen? Right. 
<laughs> you have a king and you, you, you see things through that prism. You see things in that light. You see things in that vision and it, and, and, and it totally affects your life. And, and, and the fundamental principle of someone that has kingdom vision is that they have a king in their life that they serve. That we serve the king of kings, the Lord of lords. His name is Jesus Christ. He came and, and, and he's the one. He's the one. Jesus says, no one can serve two masters. For either he, he, he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. And, and the question then is, what is mammon? <laughs> right? Mammon can be summed up in really, like if I take the sim a simple explanation, it's really everything that's tied up in, in, in materialism. In materialism. Now, there's nothing wrong with, with having material things. There's nothing wrong for you know, going out and, and starting a good business and, 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 and making money. And, and, and you know, I've got friends that are, that are in business. I've got friends that do well in their jobs and do, you know, do well. You know, they make things. They do things. That's great. That's great. What Jesus is talking about is when that is the, is, is, is the focus and, and that which someone is serving in their life. And what it, what it is, is is when you serve and you live for the, for the material in your life, you end up, it's, you end up serving uh, yourself and ultimately the God of this world because, because that's who he wants you to serve. He wants you, he wants you to, to serve yourself. In fact, you know, when you look at Satanism, when you look at sat Satanism and specifically the, the, the tract of Satanism that was made popular by, I, I guess his name is Anton LaVey, right? And, and basically, it's about selfishness. It's about, glory. it's about living for self. It's about doing everything that you want for yourself. And where, where that is, is it's, 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 a, it's, it's a product, it's a lifestyle, it's a commitment that is made possible by having a darkened vision. By having a darkened vision. And that darkened vision leads you into ultimately serving self and serving the enemy of your soul. And God wants you to serve him. And when you serve him, when you serve him and you live for him and you give yourself fully to him, God does an amazing thing. Jesus said, it's like one of the paradoxes of the, in the New Testament that Jesus says, if you lose your life for my sake, you'll find it. But if you try to find your life and all this other stuff, you'll lose it. It's, it's, a, it's an amazing, amazing paradox, but it is true and I've seen it come true every single time in every which way, in both ways that you can look at it. And so your vision determines your master. As long as we're getting up and we're serving the king, we'll have that. I think there's those moments that he brings that vision check <laughs> into our lives, amen? He brings that daily, you know, you'll feel like, oh, oh that, that is, that's not the way to look at that. You ever, you ever get that check? You ever the Holy Spirit tell you, Charles, that's not the way. That's not the way I want you to look at. Well, I want to look at it like this, God. 
Because this, looking at it like this makes me feel better. It feeds my flesh. It feeds my ego. It feeds, it, it feeds my sense of pride. It feeds my, it's gonna make me feel better. And God says, no, Charles, that's not how I want you to look at that. I have a way that I want you to look at it. And we realize that we're serving the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Because you can't serve two masters. You can't serve two masters. It's not like, it's not like having two jobs. You, know, you can get two jobs. You can only serve one. You can only serve one master. Bob Dylan said it, right? So, the way that Bob Dylan said it, you know, <laughs> you gotta serve somebody serve somebody. So, amen, amen. Your vision, your vision is so important.